I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Hello, and welcome back to another episode. Thank you to our patrons. We had a new patron last week, Teresa R. Thank you so much, Teresa. We are so grateful for your support. If you would like to learn more about supporting the show for the price of a cup of coffee, you can go to petsitterconfessional.com slash support. We also want to thank Pet Sitters Associates for making this show possible. In our Sitter Confessionals Facebook group, Eric Curry, who we interviewed back in episode 63, had a great question. He asked if anyone had ever had a nightmare where they missed a drop-in check. There were a lot of yeses and... We agree. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We have definitely had those nights. We have woken up in a cold sweat because we thought we missed a client or we left a client outside at night. Those are really scary. We now always make sure that we have a paper and a digital copy of our schedule so nothing slips through the cracks. And we count all the dogs. (laughs) I make sure we count all the dogs before we go to sleep or we leave the house. It's not foolproof, though. I think that no matter how long you've been a pet care provider, you'll always feel like you're missing something. If you've been with us and listening since the very beginning, you know that our first few episodes were centered around kind of starting your business. And so we wanted to revisit that since it's been over a year now and life has really changed drastically. Thank you, COVID. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so whether you've been a pet sitter for six months or six years, we hope that this will be helpful to you. You may feel like you already know all this and great, but hopefully there will be a nugget or two that you can use in your business. Yeah, even though you may feel like you have the meet and greet down pat, it's always a good idea to reassess what you could be doing better, us what we could be doing better as well, and how to make that process faster and easier for the client from their perspective too. So during our Back to Basics series, we're going to be revisiting some of these topics and services in the pet care industry with the post-COVID world in mind. And the first one is the meet and greet. So what is a meet and greet? It's the meeting between a pet care provider and the pet owner to obviously meet the pet, to assess the temperament, to get to know the pet schedule, and to really answer any questions that the pet parent may have. It's a really great opportunity to start building that trust right from the very beginning and get off on a really good foot. Which is why you should definitely have one. Yes, you should have one. We understand that there will be times where you are not able to have one because of scheduling restraints or uh, a repeat client, unless something obviously changes on their end. Um, you, You board and the client may be from out of town. So this actually happens to us an awful lot around the holidays or when the state fair is in town because people are traveling from long distance in and need someone to care for their dog while they're there. And then they pick up and they meet, leave uh, and go back home. The location of a meet and greet is very important. So if you board or provide daycare in your home, it's best to do it in your home so the client can see where their pet will be staying. On the other hand, if you provide service in the pet's home, then you'll want to meet there so you can see where the pet sleeps, their food, leashes, all of that. If neither of those are currently an option, you can meet at a neutral location like a park. But you may not want to do a dog park because there can be lots of distractions and you won't necessarily get the one-on-one time to interact with the dog. 
However, it would be a good way to see how the dog handles other dogs and interacts with them. Yeah, if that's something that you are going to be encountering while you are caring for the dog. So pick a location that's going to work best for you and it's going to meet the service requirements that you have and that you will be doing with the dog moving forward. During the actual meet and greet, you want to be asking a lot of questions. Is the pet microchipped? Do you have an emergency contact? What vet do you take them to? Do they have separation anxiety? And if they do, how severe is it or how mild? And what the person does to kind of calm the the pet down? Additionally, what to do if they get scared? If it's a cat, where does it hide? Have they gotten away from the owner before? (laughs) We've had a dog jump our fence when the owner said she's not a jumper. So that was... Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Do you allow the cat outside? Are you working on any commands or trainings? Does your dog dig in the backyard? Do you have a side gate? Last week, Colin went over for a meet and greet, and the <laughs> as the oh meet as the meet and greet was happening, the lawn guy came over and left the side gate open, and the dog got out. And while I was leaving the meet and greet, I saw the dog that I had just met running through the streets. And so I had to go and get the dog and bring it back to the owners. Well, and it was for an elderly woman. And so thankfully you were there to run after the dog. Yeah, because I don't know what would else would have happened. And actually that, that gets to another question to, to ask during a meet and greet is, will there be anybody else over at the house while I'm supposed to be there or caring for the dog? Like the yard crew or a cleaning service or heating and air people or I- anything like that so that you know the sta- the status of the house, the the, do- the doors, the gates, all of that um, c- can change if somebody's coming over and you don't know about it. Like you, you need to be made aware of that. And obviously, these questions are going to look different based on the service you are providing. In the sitter's home is going to be more about reassuring the owner that the dog is going to be comfortable and safe in your home, as well as making sure that the dog will abide by your, quote, house rules. If it's in the client's home, particularly with house sitting, it will be about making sure you are okay with staying there and knowing where everything is for the pet, making sure the home is clean, it's in a safe neighborhood, and knowing where the water valves are in case a pipe bursts (laughs) or an oven breaks. Yeah, right. It's those kind of questions if you're going to be caring not just for the person's dog, but for their house as well, making sure you are including these questions about house care, house maintenance. Who should you call? Do they have a favorite repair company that you need to be calling if something like that happens? These are an awful lot of questions as well, and they can get kind of complicated and tedious. So something to think about is how you are going to get the questions to your client before or during the actual, the actual meet and greet. So we have our clients fill out a meet and greet form before they meet us. They can either fill it out in the app or print it out and give it to us when we meet. This means that by the time we're actually physically meeting them and talking with them, we have all of the basics covered and we can work on getting to know them. So if you choose to have the client answer these questions during the meet and greet, that's fine. Just know that the owner may not be as attentive because they'll be really busy filling it out. Another good thing to think about is, are you going to demand a certain harness? or a certain collar, or a certain leash. So we have decided that in our contract, we will not walk dogs with a retractable leash. They are not good (laughs) or safe leashes. Right. 
And if that's the only thing that our clients, our owners are going to provide, then we will use our own leash. And that's something you can have in your contract as well and in your policies of stating, I require the use of a non-retractable leash. And if one is not present, I will use this kind of leash, this one particular brand that I like. So what about if you're boarding? Let them know if their dog will be around other dogs. Will you let them see your entire home? And this can be kind of sensitive because if you're boarding, you have privacy that you want to keep in your life, right? It's in your home. So you 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 have the right to keep some things private. You don't have to show clients your bedroom and walk them through your bathroom if you don't want to. Just make sure that that's communicated up front. Also think about what you should do with current dogs during a meet and greet if you are boarding. If you're going to keep them in a separate room, if you're going to keep them outside. And some sitters choose not to even let people in their home to just meet on the front lawn. And so the dogs that they're currently caring for can just have the roam of the house. Especially in times of COVID, that may be what you're most comfortable with is not allowing strangers into your home, client, first-time clients for the first time. Meet them outside on your front porch, in your front yard, on the sidewalk somewhere, instead of bringing them into your home, if that's what you're most comfortable with. This is an easy way to manage the dogs at home if you have them, uh, as opposed to trying to put them into a special room or keep them outside during the meet and greet. Because that can get into an awkward situation where the new client hears the other dogs and maybe wants to introduce their dog to the new dogs. And so you have to explain to them, you know, now is not a good time. That's not my process of how I introduce new dogs. And it could get a little tricky if they insist on doing that. It's important to treat the meet and greet like a job interview because that's basically what it is. So you want to look professional, get a branded shirt and wear that. I feel like that's something that we need to do. Yeah, it is. So dress appropriately. Don't come out in your pajamas and slippers. Even though it's so tempting sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially if it's in your home. But make sure that if it's in your home, clean. Make sure it smells good and fresh. And remember, lots of air circulation. It helps with the smells. If you're going to the client's home, be on time. Do not be late. You have this great saying. From, From my band instructor in high school, if you're on time, you're late. So show up early so you're prepared to start and do the activity right when you said you'd be ready to do it. But yeah, it's a job interview. Take it seriously. It starts even before you meet the person. All of your communication up until you meet the person face-to-face or in this instance, maybe virtually or socially distanced. And we'll talk about virtual meeting here in a little bit. But all of these things need to show how professional you are, and how serious you take this. Before we continue, we'd like to give a special shout out to our sponsor, Pet Sitters Associates. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they have provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. If you want to take your passion with pets to the next level and take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business, Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a quote today at PetsitLLC.com. You can get a discount when joining by clicking Membership Pet Sitter Confessional and using the discount code CONFESSIONAL at checkout for $10 off today. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at PetsitLLC.com. So part of living in the new world with COVID and how that impacts our businesses is that we need to be communicating to new clients and our existing clients, but it's particularly to our new clients 
how we are handling uh, disinfecting, how we are handling cleaning, and and how we're handling the best possible ways to limit transmission of COVID-19. So when you are having the meet and greet, uh, it may be a good idea to have a COVID-19 policy statement that you've included that details the precautions that you take as a business at a personal level to how you're tracking temperatures and how you are tracking and monitoring where you're going and how you are wearing a mask when you're going to these places. All of this is trying to get at the need to make the client feel as comfortable as possible. And that does include talking about how we are approaching COVID. This can include cleaning your house before they enter or wearing a mask. It can also mean staying six feet apart or meeting outside like you just talked about. And if it's in their home and you're going to be house-sitting or really touching a lot of their things... Talk to them about your cleaning procedures and ask for them to supply some of the cleaning supplies that you will use to clean. And then tell them how you're going to use it, how frequently you'll use it, so that they can have confidence and security in knowing that they are coming into a clean, sanitized, disinfected home. The biggest part of the meet and greet, though, um, once we are assuring the clients that um, there'll be open communication and meeting their needs, is obviously introducing ourselves to the new dog. And I know that people have different policies and different practices for how they approach this, but we wanted to break down some simple steps that we can that we can do, and I know that Megan and I do, when we are meeting a dog for the first time. So one of the biggest things here is to make sure that we are going slow and focusing on the owner. The dog is going to be watching this interaction to see if you're safe. They're going to be watching their owner to see if they are reacting in a positive or negative manner and trying to read their owner. Focus on the owner, greet them warmly, and then start conversing with them so that the dog understands and knows that you you are safe because the owner is telling that to them by how they're communicating with you. And we know that some dogs, this is all they need. And we know many that don't even need this step. Instead of, (laughs) they just run straight up to you without hesitation and they just want love and attention. Now, if a dog does greet you by jumping all over you and getting into your space, uh, you can try the be a tree method. This one is one that a dog safety expert teach kids to help them stay safe around dogs and especially hyperactive dogs. You fold your branches, take your hands, you fold them and you look down, you stay still for a couple seconds and then try and introduce yourself to the dog again and ask the owner to leash up their dog if the dog is still too much. So many of the dogs will still need additional steps. Don't approach them head on. Instead, come in from the side. Allow them to visually see you and be able to watch you as much as possible. It's, it's going to feel like, especially for some skittish dog, it's going to feel like you're straight up ignoring them which goes against most of our first instincts where we want to rush up and love on the dog and be in the dog's face and, and, and uh, show as much love and affection to the dog as possible. That, that's not okay. Many dogs will react extremely negatively to that, especially if they're in a brand new environment. So, you, so you're trying to avoid eye contact the entire time you're looking at the dog's body language or the cat's body language at this point. So here are some basics. A tucked tail. Not all tail wags are happy wags. If the tail is wagging slow and stiff, the dog is probably alert but not excited. And if the tail is tucked and wagging, that is a sign of fear and submission. You can also look at the ear position. If a dog's ears are erect and facing forward, they could be interested or aggressive. But when the ears are flat against their head, they are scared or submissive. 
If the dog is giving you the side eye, it's typically showing the white parts of its eye, and that's a common sign of stress. So let them sniff. With a closed fist, allow the dog to take a sniff so it can assess your scent. A closed hand is particularly important here because it is less threatening than an open one. So if the dog sniffs and seems okay with you, you can probably pet it on the shoulder, the chest, or the neck, which is, which is again, a less threatening area to pet than on the top of the dog's head or its butt. Remember that this may take several times to work up to petting the dog, but you're never pushing them, you're never forcing them to engage. Inform the owner to not forcibly bring the dog to you or scold the dog if they don't want anything to do with them. We've had this happen where the dog is a little nervous and sticks by the owner's side and the owner grabs the leash and tries to pull them forward to us. And we have to tell them, no, 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 please, please stay there. Just hold the dog close to you. Let's talk. And then we, we start breaking some of the questions, maybe re-asking some things that weren't exactly clear on the meet and greet. But again, ignoring the dog completely. I'm just trying to build a relationship with the owner so that the dog knows that we're safe and everything's going to be okay. And then we go slowly from there. This is also going to show the owner that you know what you're doing and know that you care. They'll see that you are staying calm, respectful, and really importantly here, in control. For cats, if you're doing a meet and greet with a cat, many of these same things will apply. And know that if a cat runs away, you need to really stress the importance of not forcing them into the situation with the owner. That is not going to end well. Obviously, this part is very hard in social distancing times and in a virtual setting, but you can still get a feel of the pet's normal behavior and they can begin to get used to hearing your voice before you suggest a no contact intro on the sidewalk or in their yard. So yeah, that's a good way to do this. Instead of doing a meet and greet where you're able to physically touch the dog and maybe you don't want to take that step into virtual, but you can still do a no contact where you're talking to them through or over a fence or you meet them while they're out on a walk and you walk a few paces beside them. uh, So you can still get to know them and the dog can still remember get to know your voice and all those things. At the meet and greet, it is crucial to discuss payment. Is it, are they going to pay before the service starts? Are they going to pay a deposit of half up front or all up front? You really need to discuss this because you don't want to be left in the lurch of, the, of you providing the service and then them not paying and you're going to have to chase them down for payment. This is important too because you may have already sent them a, a copy of your policies about when to pay and how to pay, but don't assume that people have read that. And be confident in having that conversation. It can feel icky. It can be, feel not fun to have a conversation around payment and money. But you have to have that. At least remind them of those policies if you sent them over. And if you haven't, send it to them and still explain what those are. Also, if you give a discount, many sitters don't, but some do for either an additional dog or for referrals. And know this going in. Know what your discount policy is before you even meet somebody because somebody eventually is going to ask you, do you give a discount? What, how much can I get off on this? Know that um, that's going to come up and have an answer ready for them. Discuss communication expectations at the meet and greet. This is a big one. How often and when will you, the sitter, update the client? Are, is the client able to get updates? And what is their preferred method of communication? Are they okay with photos and videos? Can you post them on social media? We have a media consent form our clients sign before we'll provide service. And then get a key or use a lockbox 
or get a code and double check that code and double check that key works. Yeah, you don't want to be in that situation when somebody goes, this is the key to the front door and it's actually the key to the gate, which doesn't do you any good and you don't get access to the house. So check the key with the owner before you leave. And you mentioned about getting updates by their preferred method. We actually just sat a dog who, as they were dropping off the dog, said, we will be in the middle of nowhere. You can send updates. That's fine. We're not going to get them to we're back in town tomorrow or the next day. And so it was kind of like this. We're still going to send updates, but we didn't expect to hear anything back from them. And that was really nice because sometimes you send all these updates and you don't hear anything from the client. Still have it in your policies of how many updates that you give. Some, some clients may ask for more. And so see if that's going to work for you and talk about that with them. Some clients may say, I have enough, enough pictures of my dogs in my home. I don't need any more. Then know that that's now uh, the expectation. One of the things that we really like to do is to get a sense of the schedule of the pet as much as possible to see what a typical day in their life is and try and match that with whether they're in our home or whether we're going to see them. Yeah, we ask about their normal normal routine. When do they go outside? Right after waking up or right after they've eaten so they can go poop? What are their expectations? What is the owner's expectations for how often you're going to let them out or how often you're going to come over to walk them or let them out? It's important to also know the age of the dog and if they're able to hold their bladder. We sit an elderly dog and she's able to hold her bladder really well, but it's good to know. And also give recommendations for visits based on this, based on their schedule. Sometimes owners really only want one or two visits per day. Years back, we had a client for their dog and cat just want us to come over one time a day. And we were pretty green then, but we really should have said, no, you need at least two visits a day. But their dog really did hold it for 23 hours. And that was crazy, but... Not something we would do today, no. and I absolutely not, uh, and recommend against that. Uh, and working in some other possibilities for taking care of that dog in the, that instance. You, you mentioned, you know, when do they go out right after feeding? I will say that you'd be surprised at how many owners, when you ask them, does your dog poop right after they eat? Some owners will say, no, that's not a thing. Other owners will be like, you know what? You're right. They do. They need to go out after 30 minutes after they eat to go outside and go poop or go pee. Write that down, make sure you know that so that you can stick with that schedule and you're not messing up the dog or anything like that. Well, and so also you're not cleaning up messes, whether whether it's in your home or in the client's home. Absolutely. If you are going to the client's home to provide service, especially if you're house sitting, make sure that they inform the neighbors. It's really for your safety and let them know if you're wearing a uniform. You might have a decal on your car. And let them know the expected times that you're going to be there. This sounds uh, like an awful lot to me. Like, are you sh- are you serious? Like, you need to be having the owners that tell their their neighbors that somebody's come over to take care of their dog. Yes, absolutely. Your safety, your life, or that of your staff could be on the line because of this. If somebody gets confused about who's over at the house, they've never seen them before. It's late at night. It's early in the morning. They have a hard time seeing. If, the, if neighbors don't know, neighbors are, could potentially make a phone call that could put somebody in jeopardy. We've mentioned a couple times already about the importance of the meet and greet. And the goal of the meet and greet is to give you as much information as possible about the client and their pet 
But it's also to reassure the owner, reassure the client, and take away any of their anxieties about this. So if it comes down to it, recommend a practice run, a trial. So instead of the owner coming over and dropping off their dog for 15 days straight, have them come over for a daycare or start doing drop-ins and checking on them once a week or twice a week before they go out of town to do a practice run and just see how it's going to work for everybody. And this especially is important because we're all wearing masks now. So if the dog is very scared of strangers in general and you're wearing a mask, they're probably going to be even more fearful. So getting to know the dog, them getting the, the dog getting to know your voice, your presence is important. Now, all this to say that if you are still not comfortable doing an in-person meet and greet, or maybe your client isn't, then we need to start looking into taking these virtually and doing these over the phone or doing via web- webcam. How are virtual meet and greets different than in-person meet and greets? Well, first, you aren't going to be able to interact with the dog, but you will be able to see how the dog acts in its natural environment without you there to get it all excited. Which is something we don't typically see for a meet and greet. We typically see a dog when it's either really excited or very nervous and very cautious. So you're able to see some normal, natural behaviors that you don't typically get access to the first time you meet a dog or a cat. We do know some sitters who request videos of dogs, whether they're command training or doing certain activities, they are requesting videos of this to see how the dog acts in certain situations. So whether you request videos or go through that process live and have the owner have them sit, stay, shake, roll over, um, those kind of commands, uh, do, do that so that you can see how the dog reacts and responds to those. Have your clients show you their harness, how they put it on, how they take it off, how if they make the dog sit before they put the harness on, all of that that goes into that. If you're staying at the house, ask to see the room that you're going to be staying in and have them walk you through the house a little bit if they are comfortable with that. And then also note any safety concerns or things that may influence the pet's behavior. Like we talked about earlier, the cat. If, if you're house-sitting a cat, note any hiding places. If they like to hide up in a closet, make sure the owner tells you that so you know that, no, the cat didn't go out the door. It's just hiding up in the closet. Well, yeah. So many people might say, do I need to do this for both dogs and cats? And we would say yes, especially with cats, especially with cats whose behavior can be so different with new people around. Many may turn, run, and hide. And so you could do a meet and greet for a cat and never actually physically see the cat because it's hiding somewhere. And again, remembering to what we talked about earlier, the owner is not going and pulling the cat and forcibly bringing it to you. We don't want that. So you're actually able to see the cat in a lot of more normal behaviors, walking around, seeing where its favorite places to hide and play are. We hope that you were able to find a nugget or two in there that you can take and use in your meet and greets now. If you do virtual or if you do in-person still, let us know. We'd like to know how either is working for you in this post-COVID world. Yeah, and anything that we missed breaking down some of these basics. Here is our Natasha Pet Business Coach question of the week. How can I take my company from good to great? So I'm always trying to take my company to great. Even if I think it's amazing, I'm like, oh, it can be better. So I would say all of us should always, even if you think it's amazing, make it better. Keep evolving, keep growing. Um, Good to great. I don't know. This is a little bit opinionated, but I'm going to give mine. I would just say automation. If you have a company, for instance, that's still on the paper and a pen book, you know, there's ways where you can increase revenue. 
you can streamline, you can make your business great from that point on. If you have a client who says, hey, I wrote in a book and you know everything went well, but then you have another client that says, oh no, my walker gave me this GPS and this report and it's amazing. Those are small things you can do to make your business good to great. If you have a system that's only in your brain and nobody else's, if you sit down and write them all out and come up with scripts and processes and streamline, and now you have a full, pretty, nice manual book and it's all there, that makes your business good to great. If you have a marketing strategy that is based on referrals, but hey, referrals are awesome, but we're just waiting on our clients to mention our name. Hey, hey, don't forget about me. Mention my name. Okay, that's good. But now do you have a referral strategy? Do you have a sales strategy? How do you entice your clients to keep mentioning you? How do you remind them every month to mention you? How can you ensure your sales? How can you ensure your revenue? Um, Bringing in features that give you recurring revenue. So now you can calculate what's going in effectively and what's going out effectively. Those are all goods to great. Well, and that that reoccurring revenue is just so huge because then you start dealing with predictability, right? And then you start being Absolutely. able to, to, to build with confidence and step out because you're able to plan better instead of, I don't know what I'm going to make this month. It could just be whatever. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and that is the number one thing for sure. Like there's just no way you can run a business. People do it every day and I'm sure it's good, but greatness is being able to say, I know how much staff I need. I know how much supply I need. I know how much money I can put in ads. I can know how much shirts I can buy. I can know how much I have on rebranding expenses because we know what's coming in and we know what's going out. But, you know, a lot of the pet sitter gigs that we're not sure, even if, you know, when I was doing pet sitting and a lot of people do packages, if you have like a yearly package, you can offer someone like in a membership subscription that you know you're going to be going out of town at least three times a year. But if we can put a package together that guarantees us that money, now we can start seeing a little more of what's coming in. Mm-hmm. But if you're just waiting around for the phone to ring or someone to book you on a booking widget, <laughs> where is the control? All these pet sitters and dog walkers, including myself, we're all control freaks. So, hey, I challenge you to put control in your systems. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have a little bit of that control for yourself and more importantly, for your team and your family. If you would like Natasha to be your personal pet business coach, you can go to her website, startscalesale.com and get 15% off any of her coaching when you use the code PSC20. We also want to thank Pet Sitters Associates for sponsoring this episode. And most of all, we want to thank you for taking time out of your day, your very busy pet care provider day to listen to us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.